the show where we talk anything and everything independent like baseball here on the Indie Ball Report podcast. All right, we are back again. Episode number 54 of the Indie Ball Report podcast, your coronavirus edition. As the quarantine edition. Yeah, we should be recording for two weeks in a row, just straight through. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I would, but I got to run out to every box store in a 20-mile radius of my house so that way I could get the toilet paper, which I suppose we shouldn't be bearing the lead here. As you could probably guess, there's only one of us in person and one over the phone this week, which means we finally figured it out and know, now know how to record phone calls. It took like about a year to do this, but we finally got it figured out. So that yeah, means... Only a year. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's not that long of a year. I mean, it's only 365 days. But <laughs> the important thing here is that we now can get guests and whatnot on. So if we've previously talked in the past and... The reason I said you can't, we can't have you on yet is, well, we just straight up can't record your phone call. We can now start to schedule and plan those types of things here. So we're going to be looking very forward to that. In fact, we we're supposed to have a guest on this week. However, due to the last minute scheduling problems, there was a bit of a conflict to know we should have somebody on for next week. And then I imagine someone on either the week after that or another additional week so the last week in march the first week in april we should have somebody on but we do have a lot to get to today so we'll get right to that and as you could probably guess it'd be a bit um we wouldn't be doing our job if we didn't at least this coronavirus this covid19 novel coronavirus whatever you'd like to call it it goes by many names the point is it has killed sports in general Yes, it has. It has taken down the NBA, the MLB, the NHL, NCAA March Madness, and it is beginning to have its impacts on Frontier League, Independent League Baseball as a whole. Yeah, no, it's it's been killing everything. Even golf, even auto racing of every league, the XFL, every, even like I think the WWE the other night, they were in front of an empty crowd, which is just so awkward to watch. It is. I mean, that's almost worse than not playing. Yeah, no, watching all these things take place without people there is just very odd. And obviously, it's a very serious situation. And, and people trying to downplay as, oh, it's just a flu. I don't think truly understand the scope of it. You right, know? yes. Not understanding the magnitude there, perhaps. Exactly. I think there's also a lot of people that are saying that also are very much like us in that age group that isn't as heavily affected by this. Uh, very simply put, if you're really under the age of 55 and fairly healthy with no major underlying health symptoms or health conditions that you may or may still have, in the, you're pretty much fine. Like, you're just going to be in for a really, 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 really bad flu. That That's really where you're at. You're going to be super achy. You know, imagine having a flu, cranked it up to a thousand and put it on steroids. That's basically what you're going to deal with. The problem comes for those, you know, seniors and those that are 55 and up that you know, they're a lot more susceptible or young children, same boat there. Basically, the really vulnerable people in society, you know, they're the ones who are in danger of possibly dying. So it's, right. you know, it's a very serious situation on that regard. It is, it is a very ser- serious situation. And that's kind of what makes everything so dangerous here and so tricky for these leagues is that you have a lot of fans that are in that age group, particularly if this goes into the season, this type of uh 
you know, the everyone's warnings and everyone's fears continue into the independent league baseball season. You have a lot of young children and uh, older adults who are make up the fan base of independent league baseball. So it's something that is very seriously not only on the mind of sports leagues that are playing right now, particularly the indie leagues as we get closer to the season. Oh, absolutely. And I think you kind of hit the nail on the head there where a lot of these other leagues are, they can rely a lot more heavily on other sources of income, uh, either TV, merchandising, other other realms they bring money in. For these indie leagues, it's gate revenue. That, that's just how they survive. Gate revenue, yeah. concessions, merchandise, yep. things like that. Really solely in the ballpark type things. So playing right. in front of an empty crowd really isn't an option because you're just you're losing so much money by doing that. And realistically, oh, there's no point. Yeah. yeah, you just can't do that. It just to have a handful of people watch at home when you're running maybe one ad on your broadcast, but probably not even that. It's just it's a rough draw to have here. So if you can't if you can't have these mass gatherings, like I know multiple states now are saying you can't have a gathering over 500, over 25, over 250. Like you, they're such heavily restricted that you just you just can't do it. I mean, hopefully by the time that these seasons start kicking up in the beginning of May, middle of May, this situation's under control. But if you look at how things have gone over in Italy, if you look how things have gone over in China. And in other regions that have been heavily impacted by this, it's very difficult to say that that's going to be the case. Yeah, it's very difficult to say that things are going to subside quickly or that this is going to be over within the next few months. I don't know that. We don't know that. And that's something that's going to be very hard to handle for these indie leagues. And, you know, I think the the only thing they can do is keep the ballpark shut down, keep the lights off, because the minute they turn the lights on, that's when that meter's running. That's when they gotta really pay and and uh, you know they have to have all the expenses kick in. I mean, they're not gonna be able to pay the players early on. They're just not. I mean, just the reality is, it would be very difficult for most of these owners to pay the players. You know, if yeah. this goes into the season and they're not playing games, it would be almost impossible for them. I don't necessarily sure it'd be difficult to pay them. I think it would just be very difficult to run this team at the level from which it'd be expected. I mean, we've seen already how difficult it is for a lot of teams. I mean, we could point towards Ottawa being arguably the worst defender where you're just not drawing people in. You just can't afford to pay your lease and pay all your expenses. So, I mean, it's it's a very difficult position here for a lot of teams to be in. Namely, Absolutely. namely the Frontier League and the Atlantic Association, or not Atlantic Association, the Atlantic League, these leagues that have teams in affected zones. I mean, you have Rockland, you have New Jersey, you have Sussex, you have Somerset, you have Long Island, all these teams right in, right in the hot spot zone. So it's, you can't just say, Oh, well, they're not going to play or they'll go and play on the road or something like that. It's just they, they can't play. And, and yeah. I, I believe I saw something last night too that was saying the Atlantic leagues may try to figure out another way to get the road warrior team going just because they're not sure they want to have these giant mass training camps here. Now there's been no word from prospect dugout. And I will say it was a bit negligent on my part, not to reach out to them, but we'll have, a, I'll reach out to them for next week's show to try and get their word on whether or not this is still happening. I, at this point, there's been no word saying it's not. And so I'd have to assume it will. I mean, their camps are in Arizona and Florida, which by and large haven't been hit that badly so i would assume they're still fine but even still having that kind of giant gathering i'm sure is concerning to not only the league but to the players themselves 
Right. Yeah, absolutely, man. I think that's something that's absolutely really difficult is have these giant gatherings, have these training camps. But like you said, I think in the warm weather climates, it might be a little bit better. I don't know. I'm not an, I am not someone who studies diseases. I have no idea. But what I will say, I'm not an expert on this, but what I will say is that for right now, from the data that we have, it looks like there's less in these warmer climates in the United States anyway. Uh, so at the very least, hopefully those can move forward. But like you said, with everything, everything shut down. Universities are shut down. You know, stadiums, leagues, the whole thing is shut down. Yeah, so Broadway uh, shut down. I mean, that doesn't happen. Broadway. That yeah, just that doesn't really happens. ever happen. I mean, what Disney never happens. Yeah, and that, that, that honestly never actually happens. I, I think it's happened only about three or four times in their history that they've shut down. Yeah, I mean, it's it's really a extremely serious situation, I know. and I, it will impact every facet of American life. I mean, you're even seeing move like giant movie studios. They're they're moving the releases around left and right. They just don't want to have to release. And speaking, because they're just going to get killed at the box office, and there's just so many issues to compare there. But I yeah. suppose I suppose we'll take this minute now just to kind of read some of the statements that have been coming out from various leagues. Uh, most of these were released two days ago, so it'd be March 12th at the at the time that these were released. But um, we do have some that were released a little bit later than that. But we'll start with the Atlantic League statement, which reads as follows. The Atlantic League of Professional Baseball is in communication with its clubs regarding how the coronavirus pandemic will impact the start of the championship season, which is currently scheduled to begin May 1st. There did issue a correction on that bit later. It begins April 30th, technically, but not that big of a uh, issue right there. Uh, at present, no delay has been announced. However, we understand it. this is a highly fluid situation that we are monitoring closely while following the lead of local, state, and federal government and health officials. Any updates will be shared via team websites on AtlanticLeague.com, as well as all ALPB social media platforms. So, obviously, they take this very, very seriously. They do, and, and that's the right statement. That's the only statement really you can make, in my opinion, is to, to think about this from a the help of the players, the help of the fans, from a more holistic perspective and say, you know, we, we have to wait and see. This, this is going to evolve. This is going to change. It just is. And so it's really important to be able to have a league take this seriously. Again, showing the Atlantic League for all of its troubles it's had uh, with the partnership, really still a league that understands how to do these things in crisis situations. Exactly. Again, doing a really good job. Exactly. I mean, there's not really many other ways you can handle it at the moment. You kind of have to just go, look, if the situation gets worse, then we'll adapt to it. But as it stands right now, we'll still, we still plan on playing on April 30th, which to be fair, that does give you about, six weeks to see how this develops now granted the real question i have is we're about a month away from a lot of i mean we have the prospect that got once happening in two weeks which like i said those aren't in highly hit areas so i assume they'll be fine but what we have is a lot of individual trials like i covered last week and like we've been covering throughout the off season here that are going to be happening in the middle of april and you have a lot of just kind of spring training and warm-up games i know that there's a lot of kind of traveling teams or barnstorming tours that are coming through that will play teams like Lancaster or play teams like Long Island as kind of a spring training warm-up type right? of deal. Yeah. I wonder how much that's still going to happen. I know a lot Probably of teams. Hey, yeah, that's going to be touch and go. That's only about a month away from that. 
Yeah. Also, we got a lot of fan festivals coming up in about a month, month and a half. So you got to wonder, will that, will those happen? And if they do happen, what's going to be kind of the response? Are you going to see people come out to it already? You know, you're not expecting this giant mass of humanity coming to your uh, fan events, but at the same time, you do expect there to be a, a somewhat of a sizable number. Will there still be that number and will it be worthwhile doing is a question we're going to have to kind of wait and see if that's if that what's going to happen with that. Absolutely. And particularly if we're talking about like the Somerset Patriots or Long Island Ducks, their fan fests are going to be significantly larger and in a significantly more at risk population than would be other teams because of how densely populated New York, New Jersey uh, and really the entire tri-state area is so i think that's really part of the issue as well as as for those uh kind of stadium tours that they do uh the the, the other teams come in and they go to lancaster and other places and they're like the doge coin and other teams are mm. are doing that um and, and i think that that's just gonna have to get canceled I and mean, I, ju- I just wouldn't see taking populations from california or other places uh, that could be affected and moving them into regions that might not be as heavily affected and seeing that as a good thing i don't think that's gonna uh i don't i have my doubts that that will happen at this point it's not that it wouldn't be worth it i mean sure it's worth it from a baseball perspective but from a health you know standpoint from a human standpoint i think it would be very difficult uh to get anyone to sign on for that that's the thing. It's just the issue is going to be with the players because obviously already you weren't really expecting fans to turn out for that. I'm not even sure if it was an open event for that. But at the same time, you have to you have to keep in mind, player has it and they don't know it. They're putting both teams at risk, and that's something you can't really you can't afford to do. That's yeah. right, especially because you're coming from different regions, yeah. and so that makes it particularly difficult. Yep. Uh, we also have statements from other leagues and some other teams. Frontier League statement reads. The leadership of the Frontier League is following the events associated with the coronavirus very closely. The virus spread and impact is currently changing daily. The sports industry is responding in a variety of ways and is being tracked daily. The Frontier League season is due to start regular season games mid-May. League officials will be assessing federal, state, and local uh, governmental rules and regulations associated with the virus. We will also be reviewing the actions and recommendations of other professional baseball leagues. At the appropriate time, we will provide updates on the upcoming season. Safety of our fans, staff, and players is our first priority for our league management and owners. Again, basically saying what the Atlantic League said. We're going to wait, we're going to monitor it, and we're going to just kind of update it when we have more information. Yeah, another really good and professional response. You know, really, uh, you need those. You need a tempered response. It's not freak out and cancel the whole season. It's let's wait and see. You know, there's no need to... To pull the plug yet, we have plenty of time here, especially for the leagues that start later, you know, mid-May, something like that. It's it's a better opportunity to have this kind of blow over because we're in a period right now where there's not only just uh, the, the actual risks, but there's also uh, like immense fear over everything, um, which makes it a lot, a lot more difficult to do, a lot more difficult to handle. So... I think once we get over this period of the fear of it, then maybe we'll have a... Yeah, uh, there is that bit of hysteria that's going on kind of at the moment. And once once that does kind of die down a little bit, hopefully in the next coming coming weeks here, that maybe we'll be able to kind of adapt better to that too. But even still, it doesn't necessarily remove all the danger of this. Uh, So that's that's also important to keep in mind. Um, Right, absolutely. It does not. 
But I'm, I'm just saying that it will hopefully with time, once the danger is alleviated, then that fear will be alleviated. Yeah. I'm moving to the American Association statement uh, that reads, the American Association of Independent Professional Baseball continues to monitor the COVID-19 virus outbreak, novel coronavirus, and will take all necessary steps to protect their fans, players, umpires, and staff in 2020 season. The 2020 American Association season remains to be scheduled to begin on May 19th. League officials will continue to monitor developments and consult with national, regional, and local health and governmental leaders on how best to keep our community safe and to comply with local and national public health policies and recommendations. Any change to the 2020 season would be announced on our website, AmericanAssociation.com, our social media accounts, and through our member clubs. We look forward to safely bringing communities back together to enjoy time at the ballpark this summer. That's their statement that came out yesterday, so Friday. Yeah, I mean, and then that's another, again, another good statement, another positive statement. You need to be kind of positive with these things, um, trying to look forward to how things could hopefully, uh, wind up once everything, once the CDC says is everything is kind of moving in a good direction and hopefully the, these, we can play some baseball. <laughs> yep. I want to play some, I'm, you know, it's sad. We should be really ramping up for the season. And unfortunately, we're kind of in this lull here because of the virus. So it's, something that i hope we get through very soon yep we have three more teams to kind of run through here i'll just kind of run through them all quickly trevor egal uh they issued their statement french obviously it's native language of quebec uh translated to english she goes that the frontier league executive committee met this morning for now the frontier league baseball season is due to start mid-may and is in no way compromised in addition the management of the eagles and the league is closely monitoring the situation of the pandemic and considers the safety of our fans players and staff our first priority in this sense we'll comply with the public health directive both in canada and the united states aimed at protecting the health of our fellow citizens the management of the league will hold a conference call wednesday to analyze the the circumstances and future developments uh, that comes from the director of the team so we're clearly going to have more information coming out throughout the week so that will be good to have we go to the high point statements so we got some atlantic league teams issuing statements here uh the high point rockers in conjunction with the atlantic league of professional baseball have released the following statements regarding the impact of the coronavirus, the first statement on the page is just the one I read previously. Uh, the Rockers' personal statement is, The High Point Rockers are always committed to providing a family-friendly environment at all of our events. Even more important to us is the safety of those who attend. We wholeheartedly complying with the city of High Point, Guilford County, and state of North Carolina's officials regarding any and all safety measures. There are a number of exciting things taking place in High Point, and we are working diligently with the organizers of those events to ensure a safe and enjoyable experience for all. Should additional information become available, we will announce that at an appropriate time. York Revolution Statement, which were the first to issue a statement that I at least seen across all of Indie Ball. The York Revolution continued to... continues to closely monitor developments regarding the coronavirus pandemic and its communication with cities, state officials, and the Atlantic League of Professional Baseball regarding the potential responses to the crisis. We join the the city of York in affirming that health and well-being of Revolution fans and all the members of our community is our highest concern, and we will continue to watch for guidance from health officials and experts regarding the upcoming events of People's Bank Park and our 2020 season. So, by and large, the response seems to be generally speaking the same across the board. Everybody yep. is just 
they're doing the smart thing. They're just kind of waiting, playing it by ear. And if it becomes necessary to suspend the season, like the professional, like the major leagues have done, then that will be done. But until then, you know, business is scheduled. Yep. I, I Yep. This is absolutely the right way to do it. You really have to have a tempered response to things like this, especially in a situation that's as fluid as this one is and as uncommon as this one is. I don't know if we've ever got anything through anything quite this uh, ramped up in this way. I mean, we've gone through other things in the past, H1N1 uh, specifically in my mind, but we've also never seen it quite on this scale before, or at least the response on this scale before. So it's a really fluid situation, and it's a really good job by these teams in these leagues to really take a very tempered, restrained approach and not, you know, kind of promoting any type of panic or fear um, and just saying, we'll see what happens. We have to wait and see how the situation evolves. A very smart way to play it uh, if you're any of these leagues. Exactly. It's really the only way to play it. And hopefully in a month from now, this will have died down. The response will have been effective and we can start going back to business as usual. And teams can, you know, get their spring training underway, finalize the rosters. We could be doing a preview of these teams and, you know, we could be looking forward to being only a few days away from actual baseball being played but until that would be wonderful yep but until then we'll have to just kind of speculate and talk a little off-season ball and i think right now the perfect time to go and do that or the perfect team to start doing that with would be one team that i think's had a very 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 good off-season an excellent off-season and that would be the sioux city explorers uh, last week i wanted to talk about it but this is a really discussion-based topic so i really couldn't we got a slew of players that are in for next season in Sioux City to talk about. So we're going to jump into that right now. Uh, last year, they were already a good team. They finished 57 and 43, tied for second in the Southern Division of the American Association, tied for fifth overall in that league. They wound up going to the championship series. However, they were quickly dashed in that series by St. Paul. But by and large, they were a very good team last year. But I really do believe they're going to be even stronger heading into next year. Now, these are just some of the names that I've seen them kind of pull out over the over the offseason. And these names kind of stuck out to me. And looking them up, they are the most productive of the team. There's obviously many other guys in this team. And they're also quality ball players. But these are the names that really stand out and are really quality here. And so I'm going to run through a, a list of them here. Uh, Jose Tavares pitched in 18 games last year. Triple A was his high point last year in the Phillies organization, so Lehigh Valley. Uh, he started 12 of those games, pitched 64 innings, an ERA slightly under five, so not exactly great, but he did strike out 39 guys. Winston Lavier, the strictly relief guy, 20 innings and 23 appearances, a 7.84 ERA, so not great, 16 Ks though, so he does strike out a lot of guys. That was in the the, basically the highest level of Mexican League baseball. So it was a more difficult league. And also the ball flies further south of the border. That's just kind of a known thing. Then we have Haro Labert, also a reliever. 66 and a third innings, 45 appearances, a 2.73 ERA, 79 Ks. That was in 2017. That was his last full year. He did play some ball in 18. I didn't see anything listed for 19. However, in 17, he did pitch for the Detroit Tigers for a short bit and then was working throughout their minor league system. So a very strong 17 season for him. So I would definitely like for him to be an impact player at the bullpen for them. Then our Atlantic League fans are going to notice these next three names. Tyler Cloud. He, he was split time between Somerset and AAA last year. A 
roughly an ERA of five, 109 strikeouts, and 110 two thirds innings, 20 starts, 30 games total. Liam O'Sullivan, he played in Somerset strictly last year, 25 starts, 25 appearances, 158 innings pitched, ERA slightly under three, and 113 strikeouts. Matt Marksbury, he only started one game, but he had 54 appearances. And he had 55 total innings pitched for about six, an ERA of about six, and 64 strikeouts. There's a couple other guys in Nate Gherkin and Matt Portoreco, I believe it is, Porreco. Mm-hmm. Uh, both solid bullpen guys uh, combined. They wind up with an ERA of around two. Uh, Pareko had an ERA of about three. Gherkin had an ERA of about two. Both of them were in Sioux City last year. Uh, right. Both were very dominant players there. So that's just some of the pitchers. I have more batters. But first, let's talk about those arms. High quality arms right there. High quality. Oh, yeah. And I, I really do love it. I mean, they have one, two, three, four, five solid arms on that bullpen now. And that's not even all the pitchers that they have. And off the right. bat, they, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and the guy who really struck me is uh, Tavares. I mean, he is just uh, like it's, it's you're having a guy who's got pedigree coming from triple a he spent six seasons in the phillies organization he's only 26 years old he you know he's up and down a little bit but he's 26 years old he's got has had a good era he's just been overall a really solid pitcher and so to be able to have him uh, you can put him in either role it looks like they might start him maybe they put him as a i think he's more guy. effective as a starter personally i mean because yeah he's been just, effective as a starter. just then i mean you'd have cloud o'sullivan and tavares right there as a one two three and plus, you also have other guys there. I know they released Tyler Jordan. He was another guy I was looking forward to seeing. And he pitched well, a 4.5 ERA, basically. So, I mean, a slightly above the team average. But still, I, I would have kept him around, even as just a number four starter, if he would have been yeah. down for that. And Yeah, that's why I think the, the Tavares pickup is really good, just because he has that flexibility uh, to move maybe from the bullpen, maybe into the starting rotation, or vice versa. Yeah, no, I, I just, I love everything about it. Personally, the, uh, the two guys I love the most here, uh, Liam O'Sullivan, I'm a huge fan of his, a high quality arm, and I think he's going to really excel at this level. He did well in the Frontier League. He did well last year in the Atlantic League. He's looking to do very well again in the American Association. I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't spend the whole year there and doesn't wind up getting picked up. I could very well see that happening. And then, uh, yeah. Nate, uh, Gherkin. I'm mm-hmm. re- I'm really on that bandwagon there. 47 innings pitched in the ERA below two, and wow. he strikes out about one per inning. I mean that that's pretty solid there, and I I just love that pickup uh, so much there. I I'm really thinking that's great. And also I'm interested to see if Marksbury drops that ERA down a little bit. I I want to see if if you just kind of insulate him like he's going to be here. He could have there's a lot of flexibility for him here. Where he could be a sixth inning guy, a seventh inning guy, or even later than that. Uh, like this, it's just so deep on this team right now. I don't know. I don't know how you're going to manage to get hits off of them. To be quite honest, I know that's it. Their, their bullpen, their starting rotation, everything is just loaded. It's stacked. It's incredible. <laughs> They're in for one heck of a year. Yeah. Now, what I will say is, batting wise, they are a little bit strapped. Uh, Jose Sim, uh, Simo, I be- or Sermo, I believe it is. He did have his contract purchased by the Mexican League about a few days ago. I think three or four days ago. So that does take a hit there, but there are four guys here. One that's returning, three that are newcomers in that I really do like and think will be 
key contributors here. Uh, Can-Am League fans, and uh, I guess now technically Frontier League fans, will know these two guys, John Brontsema and Chase Harris. Chase Harris returns to the American Association. He spent some time in uh, in Gary a couple years back. Last year, he was in Rockland. The year before, he was in Ottawa. He did extremely well in Ottawa. Bit of a down year last year. Uh, slash line looks like this, 218, 300, 317, five home runs, and 64 hits. So, I mean, not exactly a gaudy line. He does manage to get on, which is important. So he can draw walks. He can get hits. I do like him in the outfield. They are a bit strapped for outfielders. I think he can recover. So I'm fine with that. Uh, the big bat here that I really think is going to excel, John Bratsima. He was in Rockland all last year. Uh, batted 314, 370, and 436. Four home runs, 83 hits. So he gets on base too, which is really, again, the key thing here you look for in guys. Uh, Frontier League guy, particularly Florence fans will know, uh, Ricky Ramirez Jr. I couldn't find his, uh, on base and slugging. However, he did bat 280, 289 last year, nine home runs, 64 hits. So that would tell me that he gets hits. I'm not necessarily sure he's drawing walks, but he does get home runs too. So that, that's also a plus there. That is a plus, yeah. And then behind the plate, they got Dylan Fox. He returns again, batted 287, 361, 377, three home runs, 89 hits last year for Sioux City. So I am a huge, I'm a fan of Dylan, of Dylan Fox a lot. And same thing with Ratsima. I think if these two guys can repeat success they had on at least a similar level, that this team is going to be scary good. I agree. I think that with that pitching staff, if you have those two guys and maybe one or two other key pickups and key contributors that they might have, uh, they could really make a push uh, this year and be one of the, the better teams in the American Association uh, and maybe one of the better teams in all of indie, indie ball. Exactly. I, I fully expect by this time next year to be talking about them as one of those really strong teams that just had a very good offseason and look very good. And if we are able to get this... Uh, kind of indie ball AP style ranking off the ground in my mind for at least my preseason ranking I gotta put them in the top five as it sits right now I mean it, they're, just oh, such a, they're just such a stacked team and they had a good offseason last year uh, Steve Montgomery being their manager is a very solid manager he, he's good at his job and it shows repeatedly and I feel like you're really a couple of a couple of bats away from really being a possibly a number one team in the nation. To be quite honest, here they're just that good of a team, at least in I my agree. mind. In the pro, obviously this is on paper, and on paper right. only means uh, you know so much. What you do on the field matters more. But at this point, they they're a good team. I mean, even last year, if you want to look at some of their team stats here as a team, they had an area of just over four four point oh nine. So. For the American Association, that's not a bad ERA. Uh, a batting average against was 243, which if you can do that, you can be a successful team. As a team, they hit just about 270. They had 71 home runs. And just for, just for reference, the league average for that uh, team ERA that I just had mentioned, uh, for the league average was 4.48. So they're in below that. They're about 0.40 below what the league average is so already we know they're a good pitching team that's probably going to get better it's just getting on base and getting runs in in my mind that's going to be their only qualm yep i think that's the only issue they could fall into you gotta make sure they don't fall into a somerset style trap where they're all pitching and no hitting but i think as long as they're able to have those a couple of key guys that we've talked about uh fox bronsima um and others really really elevate 
their level of play. I think, you know, you'll, you have the opportunity, uh, to really, like you said, be, they would certainly, they're certainly right now in my top five. Um, obviously we don't have the rosters anywhere near completely rounded out yet, but if they, like you said, they added a couple of bats, you know, it might be something, uh, that you'd have to look into. You'd have to consider, uh, at this point in time. So I think, um, certainly there's, uh, a, the, the team is really going to be great. And it depends on those bats in either they're going to be in the you know, exactly. nation or they're just going to be good for the American association. Yeah. It depends if they can supplement that, but just the obvious thing they had, I, I needed to draw attention to it. I know we covered the miners a couple months back too, because their off season was going all sorts of haywire. We're kind of talking about them for the, for the opposite reason, if you would, because they were losing so many guys, namely due to those new roster roles and whatnot. But we had to talk about the positivity that was the Sioux City season. So yep. uh, with that being said, I just, just two other topics before we get to our main prize of the day, which is announcing our Indie Ball March Madness, which hopefully will kind of make up for, you know, not having actual March Madness this year, which is quite <laughs> disappointing. First that time is. in history that got canceled, by the way. They wow, played every sucks. year since 1939. Yeah, that's depressing. Yeah, yeah, that's- yeah. Let's talk about something a little bit less depressing. Lancaster's coaching <laughs> staff. If we talked about their season last year, we'd keep up the depressing talk, but we could talk that's about right. the coaching staff <laughs> instead. So Cody Epley and Caleb Jindle, I believe it is. Jindle has joined the Lancaster coaching staff. Uh, Epley's going to be a full-time coach. He's going to be their pitching coach. That's kind of obvious. And Jindle's going to be a player coach, hitting instructor there. Uh, Epley has some experience coaching in the past. He spent his last three years as a Blue Crab, so I believe that would be 2018, 17, and 16 would be his three years he was a player coach down there. So he does bring some experience to this. He's a former major league guy. He actually has ALCS experience with the Yankees, I believe, in 2013, I want to say. He's a way. He's, ex- he's, a, he's a very experienced guy, and he knows what he's doing. So I'm excited to see how that goes. And Caleb Jindal was one of the few bright spots to the Lancaster season last year. So, I mean, he clearly knows what he's doing. For the guys that are coming back, they'll know him. So there's some uh, familiarity there, some respect that's already built in there. And for new guys, I mean, he's like a coach that's playing with you. So he, I believe he's a little bit more relatable and easier to talk to than a manager that, even though Ross Peoples is a fairly easy guy to get along with, still, it's, you know, it's a little bit easier when you have a guy that's kind of going through the same thing as you to talk to him. Yeah, absolutely, man. I think these are two good uh, things that are really helped turn it around a little bit, perhaps. I think Epley, again, like you said, Major League experience, pitched the Yankees, really a good uh, pitcher when he was uh, there. He played for the Rangers as well, I believe. So, I mean, again, I got a bigger name guy to come in and kind of be the be the pitching coach, be a good mentor for some of the younger guys. Like you said, he was in that kind of player player coach role before um and so i think yeah i think you know and then also to have the the other player coach there will be uh, a very good thing a very good addition as well but yeah i think Empley is the big pickup here i think that really does uh kind of help to change the direction a little bit of the way things have been going exactly i mean he he pitched well for them last year too I and mean, he was also a bright spot there and now i just kind of transitioning to him as that full-time coach role, I think will definitely help here. I am kind of surprised he's not actually playing this year. He looked fine last year, and he is an Atlantic League record holder of sorts. He's fifth in saves all time, but 105, if I'm correct, on the number. It's either 111 or 105. So I would have thought he could have hung around for this year and possibly I mean, moved up a couple spots. 
I mean, exactly. That's the thing. I thought he could have hung around for at least one or two more years, maybe got a little bit more salary even for being that player-coach role. But I, if he wants to just go to coaching full-time, then he can go to coaching full-time, and maybe we'll see him get a uh, MILB job in, in 2021, and then who knows, maybe he'll be a major league coach one day. But in, Yeah, when it's time, it's time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's kind of been through the ringer, right? He went to the Barnstormers uh, once initially, then he went to the Pirates, and then, like yeah. you said, Southern Maryland, and now back to the Barnstormers. Um, and so, you know, he's retiring as an active player and going to just the pitching coach. I think it allows him to focus on that staff. I think that's something, that, from a Lancaster point of view, this is something that could be really good for them because they'll have him completely focused on the pitching staff and not his own uh, things and trying to manage the pitching staff as well. So I think this will be ultimately a really good uh, move for both Epley and the Barnstormers. Yep. So we'll go now to the uh, other news story we have. And the last one we have before we get to our March Madness bracket reveal, which is High Point has a brand new team president. Pete Fish will be the new president. He has experience with uh, minor league baseball dating back to 1989. He's held similar positions in the 90s with the Winston-Salem Club and I believe the Hickory Club, too. Uh, he was an assistant GM and assistant president there. And then in the more recent past, he's worked with the PGA Tour of Champions, so the senior tour. Um, he's worked with the Wake Forest for a while, again, with other MILB teams. Uh, in more recent years, he's more handled that kind of fan relations standpoint, where he handles a lot of the concessions, the day-to-day operations, things like that. So very similar to the role he's going to now hold in High Point. I personally, from what I could tell from his you know, kind of track record, it's seems like an awesome hire for them uh obviously second team present in team history here uh, first one had to step away for personal reasons so there's not much you can do to control that but he's fish seems like a great replacement all things considered absolutely and i think particularly we have to trust high point uh, at this point we haven't seen anything from that first season it was so well rolled out everything was you know done perfectly to the t they were able to get to, to really kind of stem the tide of having problems early on with not getting people into the ballpark. They got those numbers up a little bit. The team was really good on the field. So, I mean, I, I'm really thinking that, you know, we can trust their judgment on this. And, and like you're saying, uh, Fish seems, so, seems to be somebody who can really uh, work within this role, seems to have the, the requisite experience. So it's it, it overall probably is a good move. And I have no reason to, to question it given – how well High Point has performed in the past. Exactly. Uh, the one thing I am curious to see here, they had obviously a disappointing showing attendance-wise last year, namely right. due to just not being able to focus on group sales until, you know, the ship kind of was already out of the port, just having to get the ballpark ready and everything. I am curious to see how this coronavirus is going to affect their sales, you know, now. Uh, already you got to assume group sales are going to be down because, you know, the whole kind of you shouldn't be in groups thing and you don't know how long it's going to last. I wonder if this is going to kind of hit them a bit harder now because those group sales are going to be lacking. Probably individual ticket sales are going to be a little bit lacking. And I wonder if we're going to be going, oh, two disappointing years and unfortunately making a maybe not so correct connection there. But I'm, I'm just curious to see how that's going to work out. Right. I, I think that if the question is how long this lasts, right? Because mm-hmm. if it lasts into well into the season, you know, then it could be be an issue. But if it's only the first part of the season, let's say, you know, 
part of May is disrupted by this. I think whenever it ends, whenever you it stops, you're going to see a really big bounce back of people wanting to get out and do things in public and, and go see baseball games and really get out there more um, because they've been cooped up. So I think there'll be a bounce back effect that could make up for any struggles that may occur early in the season as a result of the uh, the virus, and especially in an area like High Point that you know I'm sure the college has been impacted. I think everything has probably been impacted around it. So it's you know if they do wind up seeing some drop off from it, I could see there being uh, particularly as you move toward the end of the season to August, and you know you start getting back the cl- college starts getting back in the classes and things like that. Um, you can see a big bounce. Uh, in attendance for the Rockers and really just around independent league baseball. I mean, I could definitely see that too, but at the same time, I do wonder if there's going to be more apprehension to it in that kind of kind of period leading up. I don't think it's going to be that bad, just because North Carolina really hasn't been hit that hard yet. If it just holds up for a little bit, I gotta believe it's going to be okay. If they were in New Jersey, New York area, Connecticut area, then I'd be saying, okay, they're kind of in danger right now. One thing, just to kind of wrap up on the Corona talk and wrap up everything before we go through the uh, selection show portion of this episode, I wonder how this is going to affect the expansion plans for all these leagues. We know Gaston's in next year, so they don't really have too much to worry about, but if Frontier League wants to get the 20 teams by 2022, you we have a good feeling it's going to be Ottawa in for next year for certain, which means there'll be another team coming in with them, which could very right. well be Old Orchard Beach and... You know, or another market could be Lafayette for all we know, Indiana, that is, or even some other ones that we don't know about yet. I wonder if you're going to see a poor showing this year because of this virus, and it's going to hurt a lot of people that want to go into this market where they go, uh, you know, your attendance wasn't that great. The numbers weren't what we wanted them to be. It's concerning. We're going to, we're going to hold off for a little bit longer. I no, I don't think that'd be fair to do, but I could see it happening. Well, I think again, people understand though that this is not a you know every year kind of a thing. This is a once in a lifetime, perhaps. uh, True, true, but still. Uh, So it doesn't really reflect the league. So I'm, I don't think it will. I mean, it could have the impact that you're saying, um, but I, I I don't think it'll. I don't think people will look at it and say, "Well, your numbers were down." Uh, so categorically, we have to, you know, pull out. I think it would be more of, I, well, your numbers were down and it maybe the the coronavirus or COVID-19 shows and is emblematic of uh, brought out a larger problem that was uh, underneath the Frontier League or the Atlantic League or whatever. But I, again, I, I do think that I would just be more be- concerned long term type time outlook here where you go okay we're in june we're in july now where this thing's kind of wrapping up it's basically dead and crowds still aren't showing back out here it's like oh well is this kind of apprehension going to last into next year now too is this the kind of market i want to dump like jump head first and have my inaugural year be right after a pandemic season where we we saw kind of attendance down across the board yeah, I, I just don't think that people's reactions are going to be, okay, it's over, let's all stay and still stay inside and stay quarantined. I think it's going to be, okay, you know, restrictions are lifted, we're thinking it's pretty safe to go out, and I think everybody's going to go out uh, and try to get out as much as they can, uh, because I think, you know, there's only so long that this social distancing is going to really 
um, be comfortable for people. And it would get to a certain point where it's just not comfortable uh, for everyone to do because human beings are social creatures and they want to go to baseball games. So, uh, and once it's safe, or at least, uh, you know, the, the risk of something happening is a lot lower than it is now. I think people will uh, go back in droves. I think it, you'll see, if anything, you're you're more likely to see a bump in attendance than a continued apprehension. But that's just my opinion. Well, hopefully you're right. But we'll move on now to the thing that I'm sure a lot of people have been waiting on, which is our March Madness style tournament. Just a reminder to everybody here: what's going to happen is we have two playing games. When this episode goes live, I'm then going to put up the voting for these two play for these two playing games. And I will announce the winners of those tomorrow. So it'll be Sunday the 15th. And then obviously the winners of those, you can pencil in to play the number one and two overall seeds, respectively. And we will go through all of this round's games this upcoming week, so the week of March 16th. And on Friday, we will have our winners announced. And we will announce the winners on next week's show. On episode 55, you'll have the winners of this round. And you could expect the same thing going forward. So you could look to our social media, Indie Ball Report, or the Twitter page, um, Indie Ball Pod. You can go to those and vote for the team you want to win the matchup. So here are the matchups as follows. Your playing game, your first playing game, the number 32 seed Washington Wild Things will play the number 33 seed Texas Air Hogs. The winner of that will play the number one overall seed in this tournament, the Long Island Ducks. Now, playing in that next game, the number 16 seed, New York Boulders, against the 17 seed, Chicago Dogs. The 8 seed, Sussex County Miners, will take on the 25 seed, Gary Railcats. Number 9 seed, High Point, takes on number 24, Lincoln Salt Dogs. That is your first region. What do we think of region 1? Keep in mind, all the seeding was done based off of their success last season. Yeah, I mean, I think it's the seeding makes sense to me. I mean, to have, uh, you know, the the miners at eight makes sense. Um, you had uh, the boulders were what? The boulders were sixteen or seventeen. They were the sixteen seed. Chicago's yep, the seventeen seed. Right, boulders at sixteen. Chicago's at seventeen. That makes a lot of sense to me. I think, um, and and I and I think again because it's based upon record, it's based upon success. There's not too much argument you can have here. Um, I do think though that it'll be interesting to see how the voting is done. Right, I mean because we're we're thinking about this like we're saying who's the better team. Um, and uh, you know, but you know fans, you're going to get that partisan split among that, fans. That's right. That's what I'm saying. I'm interested to see. This is going to be as, uh, telling as much about fan base as it is about uh, overall skill of the team. I think you're going to see a lot of people who might be fans of one team or another say, ooh, I really, really want my team to win this. And uh, so that, I think that's what makes this really interesting is you have that wild card of, let's see, okay, not only is this team good, but they have to have a strong fan base and a strong fan support in order to win this quote-unquote tournament. So I think that's what's really, uh, really interesting about how you've seeded this because, I mean, ostensibly – the team, the a team that wins the playing game could win the whole thing. Oh I mean, yeah, they really, definitely could. It's just so unlikely. 
it's very unlikely, but it's just as unlikely as a 16 seed, right, winning the tournament in uh, in the actual NCAA tournament. Yeah. So uh, it makes makes a lot of sense to me. I think that first region, you've got the teams right. Uh, I think the matchups are compelling. I think they're good for first round matchups in particular. Uh, I think you know you can, you don't want to really hit any of your first round matchups too hard, but there's a couple of upsets that I could see in there. Yeah, the the matchup that I'm looking forward to is the one we're probably going to see in the second round, which is Sussex County versus High Point. Because I know a lot of our followers on Instagram are heavily New Jersey and heavily High Point. So it's right. going to be fun watching those two battle it out. And I could very well see the winner of that kind of bottom half of the bracket here be the one who comes out of this region. It's, it's not impossible here. Now, Long Island's no slouch either. However, it, it's going to be a very fun region. That's going to be a very fun region. There's no doubt. All right. So we'll go now to the second region. The number two overall seed, St. Paul Saints, will play the winner of this playing game. The number 31 seed, Quebec Capitals, versus the number 34 seed, Road Warriors. I mean, it's hard to argue with not putting... It's hard to argue that Road Warriors shouldn't be dead last year, but you know. Uh, right. I mean, uh, the Capitals, again good fan base right exactly that I mean, could very well be but that'll be a tough one between quebec and st paul in that in that it's gonna be round. harder than a lot of people think i mean how the road warriors may even surprise us all and just kind of <laughs> jump they may win the whole thing who knows they might you never know uh with, with our rousing support for them exactly. but I, I really do think that um quebec has the chance to really really shake some things up i mean the capitals for years were one of the best teams in the can-am league um if not the best team in the can-am league for many many years so oh yeah no they're a dynasty yeah, Dynasty. So, so they have tons of fans. Um, even fans, uh, you know, who, of people who went to games that weren't in Quebec, um, like myself, I really, really love watching the Capitals play when they would come to New Jersey, uh, to play the Jackals or the Miners. So I think that you've got a lot of support for Quebec that might not be just in, in Canada. So I think it'd be a very interesting, uh, mm-hmm. choice there. I think Quebec could really make some, make some headway. Yep. Uh, number 15 is going to take, be the Southern Illinois Miners. They're going to take on another Canadian team in the Winnipeg Gold Eyes. Uh, number oh, seven. Yep. You want to comment on yeah. that? Yep. Oh, yeah. The Gold Eyes, they're going to be hard to beat. Let me tell you what. The Gold Eyes could win this whole thing because they got a huge fan base and they, again, us another really, really well run Somerset Patriot esque organization. Oh, very much so. Uh, we have number seven, Evansville Otters taking on the number 26, Windy City Thunderbolts. And the number 10, Fargo Moorhead Redhawks taking on the number 23, Schomburg Boomers. Nothing too yep. much to report there, but you know. Yeah, again, another really solid region. Interesting to see if, uh, St. Paul could come out of there. I think it'll be harder for them. Um, but I think they can do it. I think Quebec could really be the X factor in there. Uh, Schomburg, again, a team with good fan support. So it'll be interesting to see if they can make some noise as well. Yep. I'm looking forward to that road war. I really think the road warriors are going to surprise a lot of people in that, in that particular, uh, that's because that you want the road warriors. Right. <laughs> Look, there's fan pages devoted to this stuff now. I mean, there's just kind of a running joke among it. Like, let's go road warriors. It's turned into a very serious thing. And this so, is like, we've got like a cult following. Yeah, it's there, turned right? into a living meme at this stage. So, I oh, mean, wow. A little Dogecoin baseball. Exactly. <laughs> so, who knows? Uh, we'll go now to our, to our next region, which has the number three seed Florence Yalls taking on the number 20 or the number 30 seed Gateway Grizzlies. The number 14 seed Kansas City T-Bones will take on the number 19 seed Claiborne Railroad, uh, yes, Railroaders. Uh, the number six seed Sioux City Explorers, team we just talked about, taking on the Juliet Slammers, the 27 seed. 
And the 11th seed, Lake Erie Crushers, take on the 22 seed, Lancaster Barn Stormers. I think Lancaster can make some noise in there. Uh, obviously, the Yalls with the rebrand, there's a lot of talk around them. So they, just from a, a marketing PR standpoint, could be a team that's in for a very long time as well. Uh, I could see them coming out of their, obviously, their high seed being one thing, but also just the fact that they are, uh, again, in the in the common vernacular of uh, pop culture right now, uh, indie league pop culture anyway yeah. and so uh i think they think that could be interesting uh i think lancaster they've got a pretty decent fan following online so that can be kind of interesting to see um again another really good uh matchups there that could have mm. a lot of upsets i could see a lot of upsets there kansas city's the one i'm looking at i'm thinking kansas yeah. city and gateway are the two that could very well be playing each other next round Obviously, yep. there was a lot of uh, not popular support for the Yalls when that name came out. Maybe that's subsided. Maybe it hasn't. Be interesting to see there. And Kansas City just did a rebrand. They have brand new ownership. They announced a lot of upgrades to that ballpark. We covered them a couple weeks back. I could see that really pushing them ahead of Claiborne, but you know we'll have to wait and see there. And for those wondering why the Yalls wound up being the three seed as opposed to well River City, who did manage to win the Frontier League last year. Uh, River City does not exist anymore, so that is why the Yalls got bumped up there, as they yep. would have, you know, they're the second place team last year. So that's that. Yes, not 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 the team not existing anymore is certainly a good reason for them not to be in here. Exactly. Uh, now we'll go now to our final region, the number four seed and final top seed, really. The New Jersey Jackals will have the Sioux Fall Canaries, the number twenty nine seed in the first round. York Revolution will have the Somerset Patriots, 13 seed playing 20 seed. The 5 seed Sugarland Skeeters will take on the 28 seed Milwaukee Milkmen. And the 12 seed Trois Rivières Egal will take on the 24 seed Southern Maryland Blue Crabs. This region is jam packed with potential upsets. And the next yep. round, I'm looking, like the matchup I'm looking forward to, like there's a lot of good second round matchups I think are very well happen here. And seeing the Jackals versus the Patriots, which is very, very possible to see. Yep. It's going to be, it's going to be close and it's going to be fun to see. Yeah. I think that's going to happen. I think, uh, Southern Maryland's got a big following online. Uh, they do a really good job with Pinch the Blue Crab, of course. Um, close to my heart. Uh, and well, we know that he's close to a lot of things with you. That's right. And so we're going to have to, uh, wait and see if, uh, if they can make some noise, you know, there's, they got a lot of fans. The Jackals just coming off a big win. Uh, their first title, that's going to be in the Can-Am League. Uh, that's going to be a big one. Um, and then of course, the Patriots, the consummate professionals, the, one of the best organizations in all of independent league baseball and a huge fan following both online and in the stadium. So it'll be very interesting to see if they can really do what I expect them to do and come from that 20 seed uh, and, and go and make some noise uh, all the way throughout the tournament. So I know I'm going to ask you a difficult question here, and I'm sure you're going to post your own bracket on Indie Ball James on Instagram. But I will. in the meanwhile, who do you already look at as your final four teams here? Who do you see coming out of each region here? Ooh, my final four. Um, okay. So I think... I think St. Paul is going to be one. Okay, so St. Paul in the second region. Okay. St. Paul in the second region. Let's see. I, I do think the Patriots will come out of the final region. Okay, I have region four. So in region one here, they've got uh, Long Island, 
uh, the Boulders, the Chicago Dogs, Miners, Railcats, Rockers, Salt Dogs, uh, and the playing game of the Wild Things and the Air Hogs. Who, who are you looking at there? So I, I think that, um, you know, I think the Rockers really could make some noise in that first region. Uh, I think it might be a little too early. I want to see if they could get out of their first round matchup first. Mm. Um, but so I'll say Long Island, but I really think that the Rockers could upend that a little bit. So we've got Rockers, Patriots, or not Rockers. You have the um, Long Island, St. Paul, uh, the Saint Patriots, Paul, and then Patriots. in Region 3, you have a choice of Florence, Gateway, Kansas City, Claiborne, Sioux City, Julia, Lake Erie, and Lancaster. Hmm. I don't know. That's a tough one. Um, See, because there's no real like, jump-out candidate here. Like, There's a very good case where if Florence does have that support, they could go all the way. Yeah, it's I very, agree. It's very I possible. I think especially, I, I will say Florence, just because of the branding, I think they've made such a, there, there are people who are against it, but for the majority of people, the, it really, it seemed to rally the community. And if anything, people hating on their team uh, really kind of uh, made the community a little bit more uh, passionate toward their own franchise. So I do think that uh, the Yalls really could make a run for it. So I guess I will pick them. Although, like I said, I think, Lancaster is an interesting one that could really shake people up uh, just because they have such an interesting story and from a region that is uh, really a, a good baseball region, a good baseball area in Lancaster. So I do think that uh, the Barnstormers could shake things up, but the Yalls ultimately will be my my four. So my four are the Yalls, the Patriots, the Saints, and the Ducks. All right. I'm going to give mine now here. I got to say I'm thinking in Region 1, looking at it here, it's going to come out of that lower half of the bracket for me. It's either going to be the Miners or it's going to be the Rockers. Whoever wins that one, in my mind, is going to wind up going to the Final Four. And I got to say, I think it's going to be Sussex County. We've just seen so much passion and dedication out of those fans. And there's just so much you see them interacting online, especially in the season. So in this kind of lead up, and they'll see their team, they'll see it as a competition. I think they're going to really push them above that and take that first uh, Final Four spot. Uh, in the next region, in Region 2, it's very difficult to say. I think you could very well be on to something with St. Paul. However, I'm really thinking it's going to be the Road Warriors that come out of this region. I think it's going to be a real close one, but I think they're going to knock off Quebec. You, you really gonna, think I, this I, is... Yeah, I really think, I think the 34 wow. seed is going to wind up going through a Final Four. Now, I, wow. I, I don't think they're going to beat, beat Sussex. Don't get me wrong. I think Sussex is going to walk into this final, but I think they're going to knock off Quebec. I think they're going to walk, knock off St. Paul. Then you go and you got to assume it's going to be Winnipeg or Southern, or well, it's their horse going to be Winnipeg or Southern Illinois. I don't really think that they're going to have the support, at least from what I see of our following, that's going to push them ahead of the Road Warriors. And then the question becomes, who are you getting in that kind of elite eight matchup? Are you getting Evansville? Are you getting Fargo? Are you getting Schaumburg? I mean, who are you getting? And I, I don't see anyone on that side that's really going to pose a serious threat to them. I think they're just going to kind of walk in there. Now, if they had a kind of New York area team to go against, I wouldn't be betting on them to go this far. But because it's a mainly mid, actually, it's almost entirely Midwest that they're going up against outside of Quebec, it's entirely Midwest. I gotta be honest. I just don't see anybody really posing a major threat to them. Yeah, that's an that's a very interesting take. I I think um I think if they get out of that first round matchup with Quebec, look out. 
Mm-hmm. I think if they, they, they could squeak it out. I do. I think Quebec's got a big following, but if they squeak it out because we're not in Canada, that could be. I mean, it's, it's going to be close there. I agree with you on Region 3. I think it's going to be Florence. Again, you look at it and I go, I'm not sure if Lancaster has the following there. They'd be the only ones I could realistically see putting up a major fight there. Maybe Kansas City, but I think Florence, just because, like you said, there's so much hype around that name. Everyone's been talking about it. And it's, it's divisive. And I really do think if they can get over this, those handful of people that are vehemently against this name, then I can see them really pushing it forward. But I think by and large, people are going to push this into the final four. Agreed. Uh, now, the most interesting region is region four. There's no debate about that. Uh, no doubt. Because you do have Somerset. You do have New Jersey. You do have Sugarland. Um, Southern Maryland's no slouch. I could see them. I could see Southern Maryland getting to an elite eight. I could. I can see it. Yeah. Uh, Sugarland is a bit of a touch and go one. I could see them beating them out in that next round. Again, the round two is where you're going to see a lot of really fun and exciting matchups. But really, you got to look at it. is it going to be the Jackals or is it going to be the Patriots? In my mind, it's really one or the other there. I agree. And as much as I want to say it's going to be the Jackals, they're going to kind of push this ahead. They're going to take it. They're going to go to the final four because they do have this following around us. We have a lot of their players, a lot of their coaches that follow. So they're obviously going to be voting for that. Uh, we obviously have a lot of fans there too. But when push comes to shove, Somerset has so much might behind them that they're just going to kind of put their head down and plow their way forward just off of fan support. And it's, it's going to be something else. And I really think it's going to wind up being Somerset taking it. So I think your final four is going to wind up being going to be Sussex County, the Road Warriors, Florence, and um, and Somerset. And from there, it's hard to say. I would venture to say you're going to see an all New Jersey final here, and then from there, it's a coin flip, really. But oh, yeah. but I I think that's going to be your final: Sussex, um, Florence, Somerset, and. Uh, the road warriors there i think that's i could definitely see sussex i could definitely see sussex i think if it's the road warriors i'd be extremely surprised but i will have to i'll certainly have to stand corrected if it is the road warriors because i'm not expecting it but if it is it'd be very exciting very interesting to see where the psyche of indie ball fans is at this point exactly and i will say i want everybody here that's listening to the show to play along we're going to put the bracket up on our social media accounts and on the website as well so you can go ahead you could uh, just save an image of the bracket so just like right click on it and then save the image and fill it out and then post it online you know tag us in your post so that way we can see it and we want to see who who everybody's picking to win this and you know who knows maybe if you have a perfect bracket or you have a near perfect bracket we definitely love to uh shout that out and make note of that on the show itself but uh yeah we're gonna post it online so that way all of you guys can participate because it'll make it more fun if you do but yeah so yeah definitely participate send them in send them to at indie ball report james send them to our instagram account at indie ball report podcast send it all over uh twitter instagram anything let's send them out let's see if we can get um you know a little bit of something going here now that we don't have the actual march madness uh, our own march madness here could be a really fun way to kind of keep people's minds off everything that's going on exactly and just remember to vote and we're going to have the polls up on twitter on instagram i may throw something up on the website probably not because it'll be a it, i'm not sure it would necessarily be worth it because not a lot of people vote on the website but it'll definitely be up on our social media accounts. so definitely vote 
you can vote probably once per account. And like I said, there's going to be a new matchup up every day. I mean, we have 16 matchups here and we're going to have, let's see, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday to get them all up. We're going to have five days to get through 16. So you're going to see about three a day. So be sure to vote in these polls. The more people that vote, the more fun it'll be for everyone involved. And like I said, once this episode goes up later today, we'll have the two playing games up for you to vote for immediately following. So be sure to do that. But with that said, I think we can now go to our full-on plugs here as we don't really have anything left to discuss this week. But like I said, it was a full show. We got over an hour of content out of it. So, Oh, yeah. Full show. So very good there. Uh, let's plug everything here. You can find us on social media at Indie Ball Report Pod on Twitter and at Indie Ball Report on Instagram. You could also find my co-host at Indie Ball James on Instagram as well. You'll find his bracket that will be put up there probably shortly after we finish recording this. And yep. and you'll find a whole bunch of other stuff there on our personal one. You'll find the well, my own uh, bracket as well. I'll probably post his as well in in a post there. And the official bracket will obviously be posted as well too. And we'll give updates on that. You'll be able to vote on both of those accounts that are all well, not both, not his account and my account, but the Twitter one and the Instagram one. You'll be able to vote on both of those for who you want to advance in this March Madness of the Indie Ball teams. You can find the bracket itself if you want to print out a version off on our website, IndieBallReport.com. You can also find articles up there as well as videos and everything else. There should be a new video out next week, actually. I'll need to get working on that over the weekend. But everything's up there you can find our youtube channel too that has videos which is called indie ball report podcast on youtube so click that and that's about all we have to plug do you have anything else left to add before we end off this show i just hope everybody stays safe with the virus out there i hope everybody's healthy and and happy and can get through this as best as they can uh, and keep your family close during this difficult time Exactly. Echoing those sentiments. And don't forget to vote in our March Madness pool as well. But until next time, you know the drill. Don't forget to play ball. <laughs>